Since you joined me today, I know you need my mini course, Four Steps to Get Out of Your Own Damn Way, the essential guide for women on a big-ass mission. It provides the no-nonsense basics that allow you to remove the obstacles keeping you from reaching your entrepreneurial greatness. I'm giving this to you now, no strings attached. Just go to Creeland.com and click the button to get your copy. That's K-R-Y-L-Y-N.com. Welcome to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way podcast, hosted by Creelan Peters, the fear whisperer of Creelan.com. Listen in as Creelan interviews powerful people who have tamed their fears, embraced their greatness, and gotten out of their own damn way. And now, Creelan Peters. Welcome to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way podcast. I'm your host, Creelan Peters, the fear whisperer. Today, I welcome Marilyn R. Wilson to the show. And before I bring her on the line, I just want to tell you a little bit more about her. Marilyn began her career as a writer in an unusual way by answering a Craigslist ad. Oh, my goodness. Uh, It was while conducting her first interview, the world shifted. She had found her passion. Since 2006, she has interviewed over 150 people from as far away as South Africa, worked as an editor, co-owned a magazine, and published her first book. Over time, the wisdom shared in these interviews have had a profound effect. The biggest surprise? We are all exactly who we are meant to be. Those quirks everyone tries to get us to change are actually our unique talents. I cannot wait to hear more. Welcome, uh, Marilyn, to the show. I am so excited to be here this morning, Creelin. I'm excited to have you, too, and we were just talking a little bit pre-show about the early start you got already, (laughs) so I so appreciate you making time in your busy day all the way in Vancouver to be with us today. And and I can't wait to share because my journey is so different. I think people will relate to us. Not all of us knew what we were supposed to do or how to get there from the start. Some of us are very late bloomers, so this is just a great opportunity. Oh, and I and I love that you talk about that because I do have um a lot of people in my tribe who are, you know, second or third career transitions <laughs> and I'm looking for like, you know, in their fifties, sixties, like what is my purpose? And um so I'm so thrilled that we're gonna get to talk about it. So I'm just gonna throw the first question out there, uh, for you to just tell us whatever you want to about your story and how you've learned to get out of your own damn way. It always has to start with my childhood because I was born the, the minister's daughter in a very tiny town pre-internet. Um, all you knew is what people told you. Um, they had this beautiful blonde girl that was obviously going to love school, love the church, play piano, and marry a minister. And unfortunately, I was difficult. I, I, my mind raced. I was impatient. I couldn't sit still in church. I couldn't stay focused. I was a great starter. I was really intense and terribly curious about people. And the negative feedback I got was constant. And it hurt my father's ministry. Who I was was hurting what he was trying to do. And, and, uh, I, I fled home at 17. I studied psychology because I had such a big hole inside of me. I was very drawn to it. Um, got about a third of the way through my master's and had a really long talk with somebody working in the industry and just decided it was too negative for me. I didn't really have a strong enough self to deal with, with the pain that I would be facing. So I walked away. And it would be almost three decades later before I found, two decades before I found my passion. Um, during that time, I really didn't make many friends. 
I didn't trust people because I was always considered unacceptable. I struggled to fit in places. Um, you know, I was a bull in a china shop. And if I heard one more time, oh, Marilyn, if you could just. And the implication was if I could be somebody else other than who I was, that I would be loved and accepted. And if I wasn't loved and accepted, then there was something wrong with me. I had to change. And so that's quite a burden to bear. Um, my kids, I ended up moving to Canada and getting married. I had three kids. They were struggling with bullying, which, of course, hit every sore spot in me. I couldn't protect them. And um, finally, they had their feet under them. I think I was about 49. I needed something to do. After being out of the workforce, it was so hard to get back in. And I sat down at Craigslist and saw writing, and I thought, oh, I've always wanted to write. I was good at English. I got A's. How hard could it be? <laughs> we'll get back to that. Um, but but I saw a New York magazine that was looking for fashion submissions. I had, through my daughter, who did a little freelance modeling, met a few designers and came up with a couple ideas, and two were accepted. Now what? I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I was 49. I'd been out of university for how many years? So I just arranged my first interview. I sat down. It was with a First Nations producer and designer named Denise Brillen, and she just opened up. She, I sat there mesmerized for two hours. I had goosebumps over my entire body. I walked out. You know, there were little diamonds sparkling in the thing. You know, I say my world shifted because it did. I still get goosebumps. I have always been intrigued by people and their journey. People found me too curious and rude. Uh-huh. And instead, here is somebody, because I'm interviewing them, sharing their life story, sharing their wisdom and their culture and the, the, the hard moments and the good moments. I had 13 typewritten pages of interview. It took me a week to transcribe. Um, but that was it for me. I had to interview. So I actually tell people I interview, I write so I can interview. I love hearing people's uh-huh. stories. Um, I got my two articles done, did my extra interviews, got everything in, and the magazine folded. Oh. I never even got into print. And I'd promised all these people, this New York magazine, people had done photo shoots for me. I was horrified. So then I started trying to get somebody to hire me to write. Well, I'm 50 years old, and I have no industry experience. Nobody wanted me. And so finally, after about a year or nine months, I can't remember exactly, I I got on Craigslist again and literally put out, I love to interview and write. I don't care if I'm paid. I just want to do it. I have a few connections in fashion. And I met with a photographer that, that wanted to start a magazine. So a year after that first Craigslist ad, I'm co-owner of a magazine. I kind of eased into co-owner, co-owner over a few months, but he uh-huh. didn't want to run it. He just wanted to shoot. And I had to learn on the job. And I'm going to fashion weeks. I'm wearing the equivalent of Kmart clothing. I've got budget uh-huh. store rack shoes on. I, uh-huh. I, I cut my hair myself or my husband cut it. I had no idea what I'm doing. And here I am covering fashion weeks and interviewing people in the fashion world. Um, after about a year, I hooked up with a New York magazine and I was writing for them and eventually became an editor for them. So it was an incredibly hard, very, very, very stressful time because you're learning while doing. 
and you're walking into an industry as a nobody, you're not accepted right away. (laughs) You have to earn your chops. So all those um, insecurities came out. You know, they call it the imposter syndrome. People are going to find out who I really am. You know, people are going to find out. And so you're in fear every time something nasty was said, you're crying. Um, But over the course, I'm continuing to interview. I'm doing sometimes five articles a month. Uh, Rain was giving me people from all over the world. And I slowly started to change. And one of the first concepts that came to me is called wabasabi. It came from a photographer. And I said, what's that? He said, it's the beauty of an imperfection. You look at imperfections and find the beauty. So if they have a a, a cracked a ceramic bowl that's, that's cherished, they fill the crack with gold. So, so I, I started to wrap my mind around that. That was perhaps, you know, I need to accept the parts of me that that other people don't. Perhaps there's beauty in those parts. So that was the start of it. And then um, a Zen chaplain I was interviewing brought up the concept of um, Ujamaa. And it was the name of a charity she was founding, but it's also a day in Kwanzaa. And what it refers to is um, a village coming together as a whole to raise each other up you know, raise everybody's standard of living up. And that one just hit me between the eyes because I realized I was going around making connections and making friends and doing that by whoever I met, whoever was in my circle. I needed to stop and look at the people that I meet and see who I could develop that tribal relationship with, that I would support them, that they would support me, and the acceptance was complete and that we weren't in competition. And within a year, I suddenly had a a wonderful group of friends. I started to blossom. You know, I started to have a little more confidence that that there were places and people that I was acceptable just as I was. Um, The magazine relationship, as any business partnerships that are are made through Craigslist, uh, came to an end after four and a half years, and I was devastated. I had poured... 17-hour days into this, my heart and soul, I'd collapsed on the floor. And when I had to fold it, I, I, I almost quit writing. I, I finally gave myself six weeks, and I had a blog, set up a blog, and I wrote every day for six weeks and said, no, I want to do this. And so I finally started casting around and heard a hybrid publisher speak, and I just thought, I need to do books. Instead of that little bit of information I do in their magazine articles, I want to write mini bios of these people. I want to share all those nuggets of gold and those behind-the-scenes pieces of wisdom and their highs and lows that I get to hear that Uh other people didn't. So as I'm writing these chapters, I mean, first of all, there's credible insecurity, the imposter syndrome, I can't possibly do this, I've never finished anything. You know, the old stories, at least once or twice my finger was over the button. But I just came to realize during that process that who I was, exactly who I have always been, was meant to interview it was earth-shattering. I can't even tell you what chapter I was writing at the time, but all of a sudden, the racing mind, the intense curiosity and true passion for people's lives, all of these things that had set me aside in, in, in polite, you know, bridal showers and things like that were a gift when it came to interviewing, and I was really good at it because I finally found where those quirks were meant to be used. 
And so that's, I think in the end, that's what I come to. You know, we all go through with those insecurities and they hold us back. But the truth of the matter is you are exactly who you're meant to be. And all those little, oh, if you could just change that, those are your quirks. Those make you unique. And when you find why you have them and where they're supposed to be used, they lead you to your passion and they will show you what they're there for and they will make you exceptional at that. Well, I feel like I should give you a standing ovation right now. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> I've got goosebumps. When I share oh this stuff, I get to, on a day-to-day basis, the writing gets so overwhelming. Telling other people's stories is very yes. challenging. But when I share why I do what I do, mm-hmm. I get goosebumps because I was, I was, I was, had to be 58 before I figured out how to make friends. I launched my first book, published book, five days after I turned 60. I answered that first Craigslist ad at 49. I wish I could have done this in my 20s and 30s. But our life leads us to these moments at the right time. Uh So if you're in 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, it really doesn't matter. Life is still calling you. And if there are parts of you that have never found the garden to be planted in, that's the first place to look. What are all those weird little edges that make you unique? They have a purpose, a purpose only. You need them to fill your purpose in life, and mm-hmm. only you can fulfill that purpose. You are unique because of that. Those are your gifts, and don't let anybody take them away from you. I still have a lot of situations I'm uncomfortable in, but now I know why, and it's okay. You can accept it when you know why. Right, and I think there's there's a certain amount of wisdom if we choose to let it in, um, based on how many years we've been on this planet, um, the experiences we've been through, it, it, and if we allow that wisdom to come through, I think that there is because as I get older, I'm going wow, like I I do that too. I'm like I sometimes wish that I had these epiphanies 20, 30 years ago. However, but then I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. I wouldn't have had the glorious privilege to go through some of the crap um, because and then I wouldn't be able to be grateful for being on the other side of it or for being able to look at the silver lining or what I learned from it in such a deeper way you are also meant to pass on your wisdom and so I all you know I always tell people one of my interviews said I realized I had pieces of gold in my pocket I could share with others to improve their life mm-hmm. and I thought about that and I thought the only reason you have those share those pieces part of how you share those pieces of gold is the path that led you to this moment you have empathy yes. and you have understanding you don't go in saying well you just need to go this you go in with yeah I was struggling with this here's what worked for me the humility comes because we've walked the path we've walked, and and every step has been purposeful. I I have come to believe that. I wouldn't have said that 20 years ago, but I have come to believe (laughs) every experience and and even my difficulties, I mean, the amount of throwing up I did out of stress when I got in over my head. Um, But I lived through it, and now I know how to deal with it. You know, each of those were learning issues for me, but learning self-acceptance is... if you've been brought up without it, is probably the biggest step. It holds you back. That's where the fear comes from. I'm an imposter. Uh-huh. People are going to figure it out, and I'm going to fail. And and finding out it's different for each person how to let go of that. For me, it was the interviews that brought it to light. You know, I continually heard 
150 stories of 150 ways of living, of 150 different paths, of 150 different religious beliefs and spiritual beliefs, 150 definitions of success. How can I not give myself permission to be the same after hearing that? So, I mean, interviewing has been a gift. I mean, I'm really privileged because I'm not sure I would have gotten here without it. It took that much repetition to get through to me. I'm a slow, <laughs> I'm a slow learner. <laughs> oh, you know, you're learning at the right time. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I am. Way to look at that. Yeah, I I, I love this quote. I have to. Sh- I'd like to share it from from. Um, Shane Koizan is a spoken word poet who is probably first known for a, a anti-bullying um, to this day, I think it was, that went out on YouTube and exploded. But he has a quote that I always think it that I really like and I try to embrace when I get really down. And he says, if you can't see anything beautiful about yourself, get a better mirror, look a little closer, stare a little longer. Uh-huh. It comes from within. You have to be able to look with, at, at yourself and accept those quirks and know that you're who you are. Because you're meant to do something. You have a purpose. You're meant to do that. And those quirks that make you uncomfortable sometime and other people give you the, the funny eye for, you gotta embrace them and you gotta find what their use is because they will lead you on a fabulous journey. I, I promise that. So I just have a little sound bite because I, as my audience knows, I take notes during each interview because I'm so inspired and I want to make sure I remember things. But just based on what you just said, I think your sound bite is embrace your quirks. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, I, um, everybody has a unique purpose. Everybody should look clearly at what success means to them. Do not look at an outside definition. You need to find out at your core what really is the, is it family, is it this? Nobody should define it the same way. It should never come from the outside. Once Uh you define what success means for you, it also gets easier. It's really important that you self-define everything, that you shut off the outside noise and you shut off the, 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 the tapes, the cultural tapes, and just get really quiet and ask your heart. Let your heart speak. If you have to sit quiet for 20 minutes, it's going to be uncomfortable. But in your deepest thing, if you were dying tomorrow, what do you want to say you accomplished? What do you want to say? What is important? And and I think stepping back and defining success, you know, so self-acceptance, knowing you're who you're supposed to be, and then with that knowledge, defining what your path and what your what your definition of success is are both really key. I think after that, it, it's just a matter of putting one foot in front of the other. You're going to be scared. There's going to be up and down times. It's okay as long as you know you're on the path you're supposed to be. It's it's so much easier to accept. It is. And, you know, as you're talking, you know, my brain works in kind of pulling out the themes of things, and, and I see so many themes running through all of the wonderful messages that you're sharing, and especially about that idea. It's, it's self-acceptance, but it's, it's more than that because you also talked about that struggle, um, which is what I picked up on too, is that, that resistance to being who we are. So we, we kind of are set in, in who we are, like our basic personality traits when we're very young. And that's, yeah. you know, just kind of how it is. Um, and then we have, you know, childhood, if, if we're not accepted, if, if we're not around 
people who support us in a truly supportive way. <laughs> uh, I talk a lot about that because um, yeah. there's lots of ways to not support people, but it looks like – or they think it looks like support. But um, And it, it just – it it shapes our beliefs about ourselves and about our worth and our value. And then we grow up and we – you know, we can choose to resist so we are, and I, I think a lot of us do that because we, we haven't been supported and we've been told, you know, it's wrong. Being who you are is wrong, yep. and and it's not. So there's that resistance that we need to get through, and there, and it's self-acceptance is part of that. It, it, it's like the opposite side of the same coin. Yep. Well, and, and, and building that Ujama community, building slowly one person at a time, the people that are close to you who you support and they support you. It's you are raising each other up equally. Mm-hmm. So I try in business and in personal lives, everybody I that is on the inner circle, whether it's business or personal, I look at. And if somebody says, can I do this for you? I said, that would be fabulous. Now what can I do for you? It's, mm-hmm. it's a give and take. It's a relationship. And the more I build that and the more I focus on that, it becomes so clear who should be in your life and who shouldn't. Once you, <laughs> it, it, that support system is what got me through writing a book when I was, I mean, I remember just crying with self-doubt one day going, I can't do this. I never finish anything. Yeah. I'm ADD, blah, blah, blah. Like the, the, the tapes that come in, the, the fear. And my finger is over my, I'm already ready to delete my, my eight year blog. I'm ready to delete the manuscript I'd done to that. And, and what pulls me back every time is the people who believe in me. But it's only since I understood who I needed in my life that I began to get that support. We have to understand that if people are negative, it doesn't mean you kick them out of your life, but you move them out in the outer circle where they don't affect yeah. your emotions. Around yeah. you, you have people that you're in a mutually supportive relationship. You give, they give. Now, there's mentors that come in. There's other things that do. Sometimes you step in as a mentor for somebody as a while. But when it comes to your support system and your close business relationships, you need to, to really focus on what's important here, and that is the kind of build the kind of relationships, build the kind of business associates that you're proud to be connected to. Don't connect yourself to people that you're not that, that hurt you or that that are not uh, your your type of morals. You need to be careful of yourself and protect yourself. Everybody doesn't have to like you. You don't have to be accepted in every group. It's okay, and it's probably healthy to learn that now. <laughs> It is, and that's what takes a while. I know that took me quite a a long time to learn. Um, And now I'm proud to say people either really like me or they really don't, and I'm okay with that. (laughs) You and I are very similar, I have a feeling. (laughs) I I can hear the racing mind now, and I can hear the – I can catch a, oh, God, across the room. I literally had somebody I was got stuck in a car with one time. I was trying to be a part of their conversation. I was in the back seat that literally said, you talk too much just destroyed me for the whole weekend because it was like such a comment on and i actually wasn't dominating the conversation so i mean that's what i mean you have to be careful with your heart and you have to be careful with your spirit and and the energy around you um so so the keys are um learning 
what those quirks are for so you understand they're gifts, they're not negatives, they're positives. They're only negatives because you're not using them in the right place. You know, being ADD and overly curious in a public um, social setting is not the best place for it. When I interview, it's perfectly appropriate. So so just learning that you're okay, you're who you're meant to be, that that those quirks are your gifts and they will lead you to your purpose and then how to build the right tribe that that will support you and that you will support them so you get the joy of also giving back. Um, those are really key steps along the way and until you take a moment and do them, you're fighting hard and you don't have to. There's going to be hard times because that's life. You don't need to fight hard for these things. These are the givens. These are the foundation that carry you through the hard times. So, yeah, right. I'm very excited Absolutely. to share this. <laughs> I know. I can tell, and I'm excited to hear it, and I know that those listening are excited, too, because it's, it's, these are the fundamentals of, you know, getting out of your own damn way. Like, this is, I've interviewed people for over a year now for my podcast from all over the world, and when I read your bio, I was like, oh, my gosh, we both do the same kinds of things. It's so pretty cool. Well, have you stopped Um, (laughs) for a minute? Have you stopped for a minute and just thought of the pieces of gold they've given you, how your life has changed? Because it's like going to school. It's like going to school. They're handing you these nuggets of wisdom, which you then pass on to your the people, like you are a channel between this person and their knowledge and the person that needs to hear it. And that's the way I, I and look I, at yes, it. I love that you said that because I actually took about, oh, my gosh, probably two to three weeks to call through all of the interviews over my first year and to, because I take notes, and, you know, and I listened back to some of them and really pulled out all of the themes, all of the things people said was helping to get in their way and to get out of their way. And I've now pared it down into a mini course that I um, recently launched, um, which is also the foundation for a new um, program that I'm going to be launching um, very shortly. So, um, yes, I, I agree because... The thing is that you can you we get wisdom all the time, right? We get our inner knowing when we tap into our intuition or source or the universe or whatever people call it. So we have that coming to us. We have the wisdom of experience. We have the wisdom of other people telling us what they've been through in their experience. And it's our job to kind of sit back and listen to that. And then well, I agree with what you're saying is also to pass that on. I think it's that's your yeah, my it's passion. Yeah, it's selfish to hold on to it, but, right? But I you tell everybody, the, I tell everybody, these pieces of gold are meant to be shared. That doesn't mean every time you see somebody, you spit out your wisdom. Sometimes you're the one who's <laughs> supposed to listen, and yeah. sometimes you're the one who's supposed to, to to share. I've had the most profound things said to me when I was in New York, sitting on the subway, and I say, "Hi, I'm Marilyn. Who are you? What do you do?" And and just eye-opening little tidbits from from elevator repairman and the the person next to you on the bus. You never know where the next key piece is coming from. So you have to always be present when you're out. You have to listen because it might be somebody is waiting to hear what you have to say. It also might be the universe has somebody ready to give you that next piece of gold you need to be. You just need to really be engaged with people and listen to your heart. When do you listen? When do you talk? It gets easier the more you do it, and you will be Mm -hmm. shocked at at, at what happens. It's just such a dynamic experience. 
It is, and you just um, popped up a memory I haven't thought of in a long time, but um, I'm also a singer-songwriter, and several years ago, I was uh, performing regularly in my community at local coffee houses, and I had a guitar player, and we would um, host an open mic night at one particular coffee house every Thursday evening. And I remember it was a low point in my life. I was going through a divorce. I was going through a custody battle. Um, and I was trying to figure out what my next steps were going to be. But I knew that, you know, music always is a, has been a passion of mine and it always helps me through, through difficult times. So I used that platform and I would interview the audience. <laughs> What do you do? What do you like about? Like it would, it was so funny. My guitar player, like, what are you doing? We're here to sing and and make music. I'm like, but these are people. Like we're we're all here, and and you know we all have stuff that we need to share. And, and I'm, I want to learn because I'm having a hard time. And yeah. you know he used to tease me about that all the time. But I I remember that, and I remember people answering the questions. Like they were happy to interact and share what was working and what wasn't working. So anyway, okay. thank you for I, I, I've got goosebumps from that because you turned into what was a I'm performing you listen experience into a Ujama experience where you connected with your audience and they connected with you. I that's what I that's just the tiniest little example of it. You turned this into a conversation with people and you shared their world and they shared yours. It, it was mm-hmm. probably very successful, I suspect. <laughs> It was. It, you know, I came out of that time, and then my life turned into what it is still becoming now. Like, I I did a 360. I, you know, went back to graduate school. I used that time in my life as a springboard to become the healer I was meant to be. Um, so, it, yes, it was a very profound time. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. You were doing Ujamaa, and you'd never even heard the term. <laughs> I got it. No, I absolutely got it. I, I love it. Well, and, and if you look, the most profound performers actually do talk to their audience, even if it's a big audience. They'll turn and say something to their audience. They will connect with somebody in their audience. It becomes a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and it's interesting because that's how when I lead workshops and groups and things now, that's, I mean, I I've had people who want me to be, um, lecturer, and I'm like, that's not my style of speaking. No. I, I'm more of a conversationalist, and it's interactive. And um, and I was doing one particular workshop several times for for a period of time, and I I did it differently every time because the audience changed. Yeah, you know, they they had different things they needed. Yeah. I had different things that I was called to share. So, um, so I love that. I, I I love that you that we're having this conversation. It's wonderful. Well, and and I'll put out another name for you. One of the ladies that that has really opened my eyes to a lot in the last year is Sue Dumais, who does Heartled Living, and that that's what her book is. But she is always about listening to your heart being in that exact moment, even if you're on stage. If you're not feeling the audience, stop. Let your heart speak. What needs to be said? You know, mm-hmm. if if somebody asks you to do something, stop and listen. Don't say yes or no based on what you think up top. 
stop and listen to your heart, allow yourself to be led. And that was, as an ADD person, not easy for me. Um, but over the course of the last nine months, I can I can see the improvement and I can see the, you know, I chose to do this. My heart said yes, that this was a good decision. So I trust that I have the energy, the expertise, that I'm led here. So my spirit will carry me through because it chose for me to be here. Um, it's Yeah, it sounds really esoteric, but it's been really profound for me just getting out of my head and really allowing my intuition to guide me. Yes, yes, that's important. And, and that's a, a big part of what I, I teach because I think a lot of people, um, myself included, I mean, I think we can tend to get disconnected from that that journey from our head to our heart. You know, we yeah. we get so stuck in our heads and our society really, really um, puts a value on that disconnection, sadly. <laughs> and um, so we need that that teaching and that um, that I want I want to say remembering. My son has uh, that's it's a that's a whole other story, but he he laughs when I say that remembering because yeah. he's like, what does that mean? I'm like, it's it's kind of out there, but it's a remembering. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 we. Our head tells us what society has told us to do, and it makes all the logical decisions. If I followed the logical decisions, I never would have submitted um, ideas to a magazine. I never would have come on board another and as a co-owner where I knew nothing about the industry or about running a magazine. I never would have taken those steps. And there was a lot of hard times as I learned in the public eye and on the while doing. But I wouldn't be at this moment unless I hadn't right. allowed my intuition to say, gosh, that really sounds interesting. I bet I could do that. And and I, I could, and I wish I'd done it with more confidence because it would have been easier. But you know what? I came through this, and now I have great sympathy for people going through that. I understand the terror and having your finger over the delete button and the fear yeah. that you'll walk into a room and everybody will decide you don't fit in. It, it has happened, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and so once once you you can empathize with people, it is your job to let them know they're not alone. Because people let me know I'm not alone. We are yeah. meant to come into people's lives. Now, the other really interesting thing I learned, and this is from Sue, I was talking to her one side and I said, I have such a weight in my heart. I have family members that are ill and I have people that have lost their job and don't have food and, 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 and I just am having trouble. And she said, you know what? You're not meant to help everybody. And until you accept that you're not going to be happy. She said, if you're supposed to help them, it's not a burden, it's a joy. So you have to understand the universe is in charge and you will be led to the people you're supposed to help and the others you offer support and love. Uh And I'm going, wow, and the burden came (laughs) off my shoulder. You know, it's hard to step back when people around you are in pain. But the truth of the matter is you cannot help everybody. And if you're getting in the way, you're keeping the person who's supposed to help from coming. Uh It was very profound for me because I was brought up, you're supposed to love everybody and care about everybody and make everybody's life better and everybody's supposed to love you. That's not true. You have a purpose and you're being led and there's people you're led to. And there's people that are led to you. But everybody you run into is not your personal project. You have to let go or you'll just get sucked dry. 
So that was a really profound moment for me. It just, I I started crying because I had been carrying the weight of everybody I knew who was suffering for so long. And and nobody can carry the weight of everybody who's suffering all the time. No, no, it's too heavy. So she gave me permission to listen and understand who I was supposed to help and step into those things and accept that it was not my job every time. Not easy for women. We're not raised that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, so many directions we're going. I'm sorry we're getting very scattered, aren't we? <laughs> no, it's, it's great. And we've run a little bit over, so I want to kind of wrap it up a little bit just okay. to, to make sure that, that, I guess I know people are used to about 30 minutes, but I, I have so enjoyed all of the directions that this is headed in. And as we were talking pre-show, it'll go where it goes, you know, where it's meant to go. And and I just, I can feel the energy swirling around right now. And I'm like so excited for everyone who's going to be listening to this. So I think um, you and I are on the same page. Yes. Oh, definitely. And that's where the connection has come from. Yes. Absolutely. So I want to I want to make sure that people know how to get in touch with you and learn more about your work and um, and anything you want to share. So to let us have it. How do we get in touch with you? <laughs> I finally put out a website that everybody can find. It's MarilynRWilson.com. And on there is a link to my blog where I put up just about everything. I mean, I, everything from events and book reviews and, and heavy articles and stuff. It's really almost a magazine. So also it's got links to my press. It's got links to where to buy my first book, which is Life Outside the Box, Extraordinary Journeys of Ten uh, Unique Individuals. And in it, I've got ten biographies from a really diverse group of people that will honestly bring home the message by the end that everybody's different. There's no right way to live. There's no path to follow. We are all extraordinary. So it's just meant to be there to show you how diverse we are and 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 encourage you and inspire you. Uh, book two is in the works now. I hope it will launch sometime between February and April. It's just in draft form right now. And uh, I'm always ready to answer questions or, or attend book book clubs through Skype or whatever I can do to support you in your journey, I am there for you. So just MarilynRWilson.com. And if you go through there, my email is there. All the links are there. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much, Marilyn, for being on the show. Oh, what a pleasure. And thanks for thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And thank you all for listening to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for more interviews of people who've learned how to get out of their own damn way. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way podcast with Creelan Peters, the Fear Whisperer. Join us next time for more inspirational stories and leave a review on iTunes. You can also find us at creelan.com slash podcast. That's K-R-Y-L-Y-N dot com slash podcast. And get even more great tips on how to get out of your own damn way by taking Creelan's free quiz at creelan.com slash quiz. That's K-R-Y-L-Y-N dot com slash quiz. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.